Hello there, everyone. Welcome to the TSG Podcast. Just a huge disclaimer before we begin that all content produced on this channel is for education and entertainment purposes only. Enjoy the episode. Hey there, everyone. So welcome back to another episode, podcast, of the Surrounding Game Investing Podcast. And I'm here with my co-host, Sean. Sean, how are you doing? I'm doing good. How are you doing? I am excited. I am super excited right now because the semiconductor business, this is the topic we're talking about today, guys, <laughs> semiconductor business. There's a lot going on. It's crazy. And, and it all starts with the whole CHIPS Act. And as you guys know from past uh, recordings that we've had, I've been following heavily uh, Intel, AMD, uh, as well as NVIDIA. And so I, I'm just super excited about what's going on. Everything is tanking right now, and, and I'm loving it. And so uh, I, I kind of want to just open up the idea again or just brainstorm what the heck might potentially be going on in terms of the decline in pricing, uh, as well as the some factors that may potentially be affecting it. And one of the biggest reasons why... A lot of the investors, at least from what I'm reading, a lot of investors are kind of scared, not scared, but they're kind of like losing faith in the semiconductor business is because of oversupply now uh, due to the huge demand earlier in the last two years during you know the COVID isolation. Um, there is a huge spike in demand for microchips, for electronics, because everyone's at home. We're all you know using Zoom. Uh, for meetings or Microsoft Teams or you know Skype, if Skype's still alive, um, we're using electronics and people are streaming a lot more. They're on Twitch, they're you know live streaming, etc. And so it it was a huge demand. But now all of a sudden, now the economy has reopened, and what we're seeing is that these microchip companies, these semiconductor companies, which uh, base their production on you know expected growth. And because we had a huge growth the last two years, they kind of extrapolated that five years down the road. Now they're overproducing and there's a high amount of inventory and they can't get rid of it fast enough. And so the quarterly earnings for a good chunk of them uh, has been essentially uh, in a decline from prior quarters. And so when investors see that, what we see is, is hey, our numbers are dropping. Now it's time to sell because it's not going to go up anymore. Uh, because we've already hit the peak and now we're going to cash out. And so I feel that that's what's going on right now. But on top of that, and this is just my prediction, and Sean, you're more than welcome to add on to this, but I think that the transition, because crypto was huge in the last three, four years, and it was all about proof of work. And now that we're transitioning to proof of stake, I feel that the demand for semiconductors is going to even go down even more and that's also attributing to the decline in pricing today. So if Ethereum does transition, do you think that's also going to have a huge effect on, on, on the semiconductor industry? Or is this just like a little fluke and then it's going to go, there's going to be more demand later down the road? I mean, what, what do you predict is going to happen in the crypto world in terms of usage of GPUs and CPUs? Um, that is a good question. I'm not sure. I think it would have some impact, but I don't know exactly mm. how big the impact would be. Um, and one thing to be aware of is that 
Bitcoin mining uses different chips than oh, Ethereum I did not know mining. That. Um, yeah, mining Ethereum was generally okay. done on GPUs. Um, and uh, Bitcoin starting, I don't remember when, maybe back in mm-hmm. 2015 or 2016, um, companies started to create um, specialized chips that specifically did the algorithm oh, wow. that Bitcoin uses. Yeah, and mm-hmm. those were all in China. So that's another uh, interesting fact is that, you know, for a while, China was the main supplier of these Bitcoin mm-hmm chips uh recently intel has said they're going to throw their hat in the game and start Mm -hmm. making the bitcoin chips um and so those are separate from gpus gpus are good for um not only mining ethereum but also for Mm -hmm. ai and for other um you know things that are national security Mm -hmm. sensitive and and good for academic Mm -hmm. research and stuff like that no, and I, I absolutely agree. And, you know, I, I can't imagine, and this is just me as an investor reading into this. I, I can't imagine that the semiconductor business is continuously going to tank, at least for the next, you know, year, two years, five years, 10 years. I, I, I strongly feel that right now people are looking at the numbers and they're not liking the numbers and that's why they're selling. But you know, when I'm looking into Intel or when I'm looking into TMC and when I'm looking into AMD, NVIDIA, what I can see is, yes, the demand is less than before, but you look at all these technologies that are, are oncoming, you know, artificial intelligence, self-driving cars. I mean, just take a look at the whole movement of electric vehicles. You got you to gotta have microchips in electric vehicles. Uh, otherwise, you're not going to really have a good, you know, uh, non gas vehicle um just in my opinion but a lot of the stuff that we're doing today especially in the academia world research world is that we're using artificial intelligence to really define designs of medication of you know simulations of all of these complex uh problems that we can't solve in a laboratory setting itself and the more that you know, we have access to like a cloud uh, cloud server and we, we can upload data and analyze, you know, a whole buttload of data. I, I just see that it, it's going to go towards that realm, at least in the near future with everyday uh, life. Because if you look at Tesla, you know, you've heard it all before. Tesla is not a, a driving company. It's a data collection company. Google's the same thing. Facebook's the same thing. Amazon's the same thing. So we're getting into the data information realm. And with the huge abundance of data, especially if you have something like DeepMind or you know um, any neural type networks or artificial intelligence, it's only going to get more advanced. And with more advancement in AI, I feel like the demand of microchips is, or semiconductors is going to go up as well. Um, not only that, gaming, you know, gaming industry has been booming uh, as of late. I mean, we're constantly seeing huge improvements in graphics design uh, in a lot of the AAA rated games today. Uh, and a lot of, um, you know, the creatives out there are using these softwares to develop their own games or their own film or their own, you know, uh, deep fake uh, artificial simulation, whatever. 
And so I, I, I just personally see that we're heading more towards a, a dependency in electronics, a dependency in artificial uh, intelligence and algorithm solving. And with crypto at the helm, I, I really I really don't see it going down anytime soon. So uh, I don't know, Sean. Uh, I mean, do, is there is there something that you also see on your realm in terms of application of crypto or just in electronics, AI? I I, I mean, I, I I this is what I see and it makes sense to me. We're, we're all going to need more memory. We're all going to need more storage space, cloud servers. That makes sense. I don't know. Uh, knock me down a couple pegs here. Yeah. So. <laughs> well, I think you're probably in the right direction. I think um, in the short term, there might be some mm-hmm. oversupply issues. And also uh, the uh, mm-hmm. Jackson Hole meeting recently where uh, the chairman of the Federal Reserve was pretty hawkish saying he wants to raise rates, which in the short and even medium term should mm-hmm. lower stock prices. So this is probably another reason why people want to sell off some of those, uh, you know, chip mm-hmm. gains that they've made. Um, but I do think in the long run, it's pretty bullish. I mean, people, there's a lot of uses for chips that are coming on and people are going to use them more. I mean, if you look at, um, there's been a lot of really interesting things coming out recently with, AI generated mm-hmm. artwork and pictures with like there's this thing called doll e2 and an open source version called stable diffusion um, where people have been you just type in what the kind of picture you want and it'll create it and it does an amazing job um, and people will want to generate more and more of that people want to generate movies you know or, or videos um, and so you'll see more and more people wanting more and more GPU time, you know, more and more uh, usage mm-hmm. of computer chips. Um, also, there's in the in the Bitcoin world, there's a lot of people who are extremely bullish on Bitcoin mining. Um, you know, recently there's been some. It's been a rough month or two for the Bitcoin mining industry because the Bitcoin price has dropped over the last six to eight months and that really squeezes the miners and so some of the miners had to turn off some of their stuff and you know some of them may be borrowing money to try and get through this period of time but um there are a lot of mining companies that are actually adding that are acquiring more miners and firing them up uh in the a few days ago there was another difficulty adjustment of the bitcoin mining and it went up wow nine percent that's quite a bit yeah yeah so some of those could have been turned off temporarily uh but you know there's i mean those miners are still pretty bullish and so there's a lot of people who say over the next three to five years uh bitcoin mining is going to grow dramatically and a lot of energy companies are becoming interested a lot of the biggest energy companies are realizing that um they end up Mm -hmm. with stranded energy they end up with natural gas that Mm -hmm. they have to just burn because they can't release it into the atmosphere and they can't do anything else with it. But if you just use that energy to mine Bitcoin, you can bring the miners mm-hmm. to the stranded energy and get some value out of it. So a lot of the uh, oil and gas industry is pretty excited about Bitcoin mining. And that means they're going to want to 
grow it and use it more. So there's a lot of reasons to be bullish on computer chips right now. Yeah. And just to carry on to that, that idea that, you know, uh, power companies or electric companies or uh, uh, natural gas companies, um, they, they are going to gear towards more of a greener approach to uh, producing cryptocurrency. And like you said, if they're able to, you know, set aside a, a portion of their infrastructure uh, or, or their facility for purpose of mining, either proof of work or proof of stake, that's revenue coming in for them. I mean, they're already producing abundance of energy. And obviously, you cannot overproduce energy because you're going to pretty much uh, short the whole grid uh, with the oversupply of power. Uh, hence why, you know, solar power is really hard to manage every so often uh, just because of the influx of the amount of electricity being generated. Um, but if you're able to use a good portion of that during the day, such as solar power or natural gas or something, and use it for mining or proof of stake for cryptocurrency, and it's worth some sort of value, that is a potential revenue coming in. And, you know, like you said, you can bring the miners to the facility as well. And that it's just an overall much more plausible and lower carbon footprint, I think, um, that, that is of a benefit for a transition to a crypto uh, type world. Mm-hmm. But what what has been on my mind lately, and it, it's, it's the passing of that CHIPS Act uh, a while back. And this is where I think that going into the game of Go, being a global move, global positioning is going to be really cool uh, to discuss. The United States just passed the CHIPS Act, and it was really, really uh, pushed by Pat Gelsinger, who is the CEO of Intel. And he's saying the reason why he was really adamant about pushing for this is to equalize the global playing field of production of semiconductors. And so the idea is that you know Intel wants to get into the fabrication business as well. Uh, they haven't been producing their own chips uh, within the last two decades. And now they are trying to build their own fab plants, two of which, one in Ohio, one in New Mexico, to be able to at least supply the Western side of the world with microchips, uh, while AMD, NVIDIA, TMC is supplying the uh, Eastern front with uh, chips as well. And so the idea that we're trying to equalize everything is now being shown even more prominent in the news today. Uh, at least this week, I, I've been reading a lot about the news where now the United States is trying to have uh, companies, United States companies that are having a huge um, influence, not influence, but a huge uh, connection to the Eastern countries, uh, China, Taiwan, and uh, you know the South Asian countries, where they're pretty much preventing high-end chips from being sold there. And so, what is your take on it as a global thing? I mean, this is like the whole game of Go, right? So we have the Chips Act that just passed. That's one of the strategies, and now we have another thing that's happening right now, where the United States are essentially preventing you know, U.S. companies from trading or selling high-end chips to China, to the Eastern countries. What is the move here? I mean, it, this can't possibly be good for a global economy. 
Um, yeah, I think it, it, there is definitely competition heating up between China and the U S where they, there is definitely a bifurcation in terms of the computer chip industry that they want China left on their own because the Chinese have said they want to be the global leaders in AI. And I think we are trying to prevent that, you know? Mm -hmm. Well, it, I mean, look at Google and their deep mind. I, I thought that we were ahead in the AI realm. I mean, Google, I believe, is a United States company. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't look into Google, so I don't know the full background of Google. But I, I, I would think that the Google would be the United States company. They've developed far past the DeepMind technology already. I mean, DeepMind, back when the AlphaGo uh, documentary was released, was about seven, eight years ago. So I'm pretty sure we have huge advancements since then. And so why is it such a uh, I, I'm just curious, why is it such a huge deal? If we're already ahead, I mean, yeah, China can start developing their own AI system, but they already have the fabrication plants in on the Asian continents. That's my opinion. I, I mean, that's what I'm thinking. I so, think to prevent think, the selling. Mm-hmm. I think the idea is to get to stay ahead, you know, oh, to stay ahead. OK, yeah, I think we are ahead, but um well, that's part of it. The, I think I, another way to look at it is we don't necessarily support all the things that China wants to do, you know, mm-hmm. like what they're doing in Xinjiang. Mm-hmm. We don't like that. And mm-hmm. so giving them, selling them this technology really empowers them to maybe do things that we don't want them to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they certainly want, so I don't know maybe this is just me, but I think China, the Chinese leadership probably wants to create AI systems that allow them to win in geostrategic competitions, right? Mm-hmm. If they, if the AI can beat them at Go, then maybe the AI could beat all humans at, at geostrategy, mm-hmm. you know? So that could be another part of it is that maybe they're trying to, uh, use ai to figure out how to take taiwan or maybe they want to do that five years from now right and maybe they're Mm -hmm. trying to prepare the groundwork by developing their capabilities um so yeah there's all kinds of competitive issues where we would definitely want to stay ahead and slow them down because they're if they reach a certain capability that could be like a certain turning point Mm. and so if we could just delay that that could be very helpful you know but to prevent, you know, like companies like NVIDIA and AMD to sell to their highest clientele, I mean, that's going to hurt the companies in general. And it, it, it's going to be a huge detriment uh, to our United States company. I, I don't, mm, you know, <laughs> so yeah, I'm like, there's a huge trade off. I mean, it's I, I get that Pat Gelsinger wanted to promote the chips act and rightly so i mean we had a huge supply crunch we're, we're all like uh, during that time we were all trying to get enough semiconductors to to manufacture all of our electronics but now that we're oversupply and he's building two more fabrication plants and the the, the demand is lower I, I hmm. <laughs> so i'm like man this this is all like turning out like 
I, I feel for Intel, it's like a minute too late kind of a situation. Uh, maybe later down the road when the demand goes back up, then it's great. But it, as as of right now, face value, short term, like a year, two year time frame, I feel like they should have built their fabrication plant way earlier than now. And oh, yeah. they should have been pushing for the CHIPS Act way earlier than now. Um, I mean, just doing it right after a whole demand and right after it, it's like trying to take trying to eat healthy right after you get sick, you know, right. Mm-hmm. It hopes that you get healthy faster. I mean, it kind of helps, but it, you already got sick. So <laughs> it's like mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not I'm not too sure. I mean, the global play, the go- global play, I mean on Intel's front. And I'm going to focus on Intel because right now Intel's stock, uh, the last time we, I think we talked about Intel, it was around 38 to $40 a share. Now it's at $31 a share. And in my opinion, Intel is actually looking semi-attractive right now. I already had a price point in my mind and I thought 36 and $38 is way too pricey. And now it's getting a little cheaper. And so things are looking a little bit more interesting, at least on my side. Uh, again, I haven't updated my thesis yet, and so I really need to recheck my facts and recheck what happened within the last, you know, three, four months. Um, but right now it does look some, somewhat interesting uh, as, as a company to invest in, but I'm not sure yet. And mm-hmm. I'm just thinking the, the, the strategy of Intel right now, trying to manufacture the fabrication plants, knowing that the demand is low. I don't know what's, What's the next move? I, I think that the Aji, uh, for those of you who know Go terms, the Aji or the uh, the aftertaste, potential. the potential, uh, has left the building. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Well, I think they're a little too late for fat, uh, for the fat plants as of right now. All right. If you wanted to capitalize on that, it should have been a couple of years earlier. And once they produce their fabrication plants, right now they're having trouble getting construction workers to build it in Ohio. And so it's going to take several years for it to be up and running. It's going to take several more years for them to be saturated. So we're looking at like a seven to eight year time frame now. Um, I, I do think all of this is being done with an eye toward the five, 10, 15 year time yeah. frame. Mm-hmm. Um, the, so right now there's a level of advanced chips that can only be made in Taiwan. Correct. And Intel could have been that company, but they essentially chose not to be a decade or two ago. Yes. And they could get it back. They could, they could become the most capable chip manufacturer, uh, chip fag- fabricator in the world. Uh, but it'll take time. I mean, yeah. even once they get everything built and they start going, they'll still be behind. So they have a lot of work to do to catch up. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I think, you know, one interesting something that we could maybe look over and discuss is this book that came out. Uh, it was co-written by Eric Schmidt, the former CEO of Google, and Ooh, yeah. Henry Kissinger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is called The Age of AI. Mm-hmm. And they really talk about uh, the geostrategic importance of AI and the future of that kind of debate. And Kissinger talks about uh, his history in terms of nuclear 
talks mm -hmm. and what are the similarities and differences between those two things. But I think um, the American government is really starting to view it that way. Mm -hmm. And I think that book probably is a big factor where now a lot of people in Washington are saying, you know, looking forward 10, 15, 20 years, we will live in the world of AI. And that could be a world that is dominated by China. And it could be because we let NVIDIA ship them chips, you know, mm -hmm. and NVIDIA keeps making more and more advanced chips. So that's that's one interesting uh, comment that I saw about this is that they the limitation that the government wants to put on NVIDIA, it doesn't apply to older chips. Mm -hmm. They say this certain chip and everything new that you make after that. Mm -hmm. So they're kind of saying it is kind of a future oriented thing where basically three years from now, five years from now, NVIDIA comes up with a brand new design that's more advanced, you know, uses less power or something, mm -hmm. and they can't sell that to China. And that was the goal, that mm. as these new things start to come out, uh, China won't be able to capitalize on that. Hmm. But isn't that a little bit more, I don't know, dangerous in a sense? Because now you're forcing China to start building their own fabrication plants and their own technology rather than, you know, you providing them with said technology and you know what you're providing them with now, um, now, now we're going to be both in the dark kind of, I mean, I, I don't, uh, I, well, no. And yes, like, I think, <laughs> um, I think China was already going pedal to the metal with this five mm. years ago, you know, okay. 10 years ago. Um, and that's what America is waking up to. Now, the thought that I had, uh, I mean, I don't think that you're wrong. And I think the thought that I really had was you, you might be kind of forcing China to take Taiwan, you know, yeah, really I mean, pushing them to do it, you know, where is it, I think part of what China is, they're kind of gesturing toward Taiwan. And I think maybe part of what's implicit in the negotiations that are maybe happening in back rooms or in back channels is basically we can keep sharing this, you know, to, here's Taiwan. They're making the most advanced chips. We can both have the chips and the status quo can continue. Hmm. Or maybe China says, if we can't both have the chips, then maybe I need to take this because I need it, you know? I think that's uh, in not meaning to disagree with you or anything, but I think that's too frontal approach, at mm -hmm. least in, in my particular taste. Like if, if I if I was really put to a back corner, right, and I know that I could take what's in front of me. But if I take what's in front of me, then that's going to cause a huge storm. I'd much rather be discreet about it, you know, at least at least I'm trying to put myself in the perspective of what happens if if i'm in china's position like i much rather try to build relationship elsewhere and and try to you know branch out rather than taking a frontal approach yeah and i think that's more of a i don't i don't want to say confucius way or anything like that because i'm not too sure but i i feel like that's more of a passive way to do things and i, I if i can avoid conflict that i would uh in in, in terms of just the understanding of you know the culture and everything so definitely and you know what that makes me think of as well is china's uh history in the last 20 years of mm -hmm. stealing corporate secrets you know and hacking and i think 
this idea that NVIDIA is going to stop selling them chips. You know, NVIDIA is a designer. Mm-hmm. And so I think implicit in this whole NVIDIA thing is that uh, NVIDIA needs to make sure their security is airtight because if they're making designs, mm-hmm. China could just take the designs, you know? So there will definitely be some serious cyber hacking warfare in terms of if we're going to try and keep knowledge and information from them, they're going to try and just take it, you know? Well, that's assuming that they do want to take it, right? And if if you look at most of the engineers, I mean, I don't know what the numbers are, but I would assume, at least from the colleagues that I was able to work with in, in the different, you know, engineering facilities, most of my colleagues were of, of immig- immigrants. They're, they're foreign. Mm-hmm. And so... You know the brain power, the the design power is is all in, you know, foreign individuals. Now, granted, the other half is you know American, and it's awesome. Um, but like it's like for me, it's it's such an interconnected global aspect. Like we're all connected, in in sharing and in really trying to build a better world that just you doing this move where it kind of isolates people i i i i still feel like eh about it you know and i feel like if if we try to isolate each other we're we're taking a step back in terms of progression i don't know what do you think um I mean, there's definitely a step backward going on in the world with the war in Ukraine, mm-hmm. the disagreements over Taiwan and, and all of this. There's definitely a deglobalization mm-hmm. happening. And that is unfortunate, especially in terms of just uh, the thriving, you know, as, as people work together, we can all thrive better. Um, so, yeah, that is definitely unfortunate. Um but it may be necessary, you know, it's a question of, you know, China's an authoritarian country and we don't necessarily want more of the world to come under their influence. Um, we want to stay ahead, you know, and so we'll do what we have to do. But yeah, it's definitely unfortunate. Hmm. And yeah, I do, I agree with what you were saying about being too frontal in terms of, uh, attacking Taiwan. I've long thought that leaving Taiwan unattacked, but if it's China, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, cutting them off from NVIDIA chips may make it that it benefits them less to mm-hmm. leave it there. Um, and yeah, I mean, the other thing is, is so if TSMC is manufacturing the chips that are designed by NVIDIA, mm-hmm you we have to make sure that they are not stealing the designs from tsmc as well tsmc has been working very closely with china for Mm -hmm. years Mm -hmm. they speak chinese um and you know many of the people within tmc may have basically resigned themselves to the idea that they are de facto chinese because you know there's probably disagreements within taiwan of whether they should ever fight a war, whether they could win a war, whether they should, you know, surrender at the last second, or whether they should 
stick it out and hunker down. Um, but there could be people within the company of TSMC that are willing to give China information, help them out, help them build their own thing, you know? Hmm. Yeah, it's, a, it, it's a very sticky situation, I feel. And, you know, I'm all for let's hope for the best and, you know, have a global connected world. You know, I, I think that it's better to help our neighbors out and improve together than to, you know, isolate everyone. Mm-hmm. That's just my opinion. I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> so I could, yeah, I, I, think could, I could definitely be wrong <laughs> on this. There's but, definitely there's been a shift in the world where I think back in the 1990s and early 2000s, when we were globalizing and working together, mm-hmm. there was this idea that people all over the world would become more free. Yeah, more democratic. You know, China would move in this direction. It'll be great. You know, we'll have a big global economy. The people will be free mm-hmm. and happy. And now China has basically shown, no, we're not going in that direction. We're not going to have free people. And we're going to uh, try and lean on other countries in Asia and in Africa to also make their people unfree and become part of our sphere of influence. And so America is looking at this going, no, 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 this, we can't have this. Hmm. Which is unfortunate, you know, (laughs) if we could work together. I mean, I'm just thinking about like the 90s and the early 2000s, how, you know, the Internet bubble were booming and we are going, uh, you know, we're helping each other out. We have engineers from all over the world building a uh, Internet company or technology company. And, and, you know, we, we saw the benefits of that as a global economy. You know, a lot of countries went up. In terms of their GDP, a lot of their, uh, uh, what is it, um, individuals of each each com- country, you know, families and everything, they had a better living standard. And so, and that's a huge generalization, of course, there's obviously extremes on both ends, but, you know, just overall as a global economy back in the early, late 90s, early 2000s, we had a massive, massive uh, productivity as a globe and so yeah i i just feel like we're taking a step back but you know just being able to analyze what's going on today in terms of strategy in terms of global positioning i think it's very very interesting right now of what's going on as i mean just going back to what we were talking about earlier which is the chips act pat gelsinger you know the moving pieces on the board and how now where we are forcing China into a awkward position where either they, you know, try to do something with their technology or B, they try to uh, come to a agreement with the United States or something like that. So the moving pieces are real. That's mm-hmm. my takeaway. <laughs> yes. That's my takeaway. But as an investment, I I really am interested. Uh, I'm really intrigued right now of what's going on and how that's going to play out in five, six years time, uh, even 10 years time. And I'm, I'm just, you know, I, I'm really seeing like a lot of companies right now, AMD, NVIDIA, Intel, they're starting to look very interesting. And mm-hmm. um. Are there what? one or two that you're most interested in? It sounds like maybe Intel. But... Most likely Intel. 
uh, as of right now. And again, I haven't updated my thesis yet. It's been about three or four months since I've looked into Intel. Uh, so a lot could happen within the last three, four months. Um, but right now it's looking really interesting. Um, and I'm quite excited for it. Uh, I, I'm quite bullish, like you said. I'm quite bullish on technology in general for like 10, 15 years down the road. And I think that these fabrication plants does have a role. But at the same time, short term, the opposite end of the coin is that is until too late building these fabrication plants because, you know, as they're trying to get up to speed and catch up with what the rest of the world has already been at, the rest of the world is going to keep moving forward. So right now, Intel's playing catch up while the rest of the world is playing, okay, let's let's innovate and let's improve. Let's keep going. And so for Intel to even be on par once their fabrication plant is ready to go, they need to really have two teams, one for the fab plant and one for the innovation and the improvement of their current chipset to be out competing the competitor's chipset. And that is a lot of allocation and resources and that is really hard to juggle uh, in my in my opinion so mm -hmm. um if they if they already had the fabrication plants up and running then they can allocate more resources to chip design chip efficiency and all of that but now they're they're gonna have to split between the two and any company that does accept the chips acts um funding uh, well, they're pretty much signing an agreement that they won't sell any chips to China or any newer design chips to China uh, for the next 10 years, which is a, a lock uh, on on potential growth for those companies, too. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, potential growth is going to suck for <laughs> for them, especially if their biggest uh, buyer is in on the Asian continents. So let me respond to what you said about Splitting the idea that Intel would be both designing and manufacturing. Um, they, you know, going back 25 or 30 years, mm -hmm. they were the greatest manufacturers of chips in the world. Um, and yes. so there is probably still deep knowledge there mm -hmm. um, that they could bring online and they're they're probably going to be you know i think i think within you know five to ten years they'll be maybe not number one but they'll be a serious player mm -hmm. as far as designs they could in fact pivot away from designs and sort of downplay that because mm -hmm. um you know they're not making the chips for apple computers anymore nope they uh there's other companies that are doing designs a lot of more people are using arm chips mm -hmm. um which intel doesn't make um nvidia is making the gpus so intel could not necessarily shut shut down its designers but in terms of capital allocation probably pivot mm -hmm. in a way toward toward the manufacturing and i i don't think it's too late i think the demand five to ten years from now is going to be so high yeah it would have been awesome if they did this you know a long time ago mm -hmm. but um i wouldn't say they're too late um that can they you know beat tm tsmc can they become better than them within 10 15 years that might be a bit of a stretch but there's there's all different 
levels and all different levels of demand for chips in terms of very basic chips, very advanced chips and everything in between. So Mm -hmm. Intel could definitely take a lot of market share for all kinds of chips. Hmm. No, and I agree. Um, But how much are they able to take that? That's my my thing because right now a lot of people are reliant on you know amd tsmc uh those fabrication plants overseas and you know samsung is also building their own fabrication plant as well so we we're having a a, a big boom not really a boom but we're, we're having more fat plants on nowadays and so you know yeah intel's building it they have a strong branding uh, I think that's a really nice, durable moat is their brand, but their the brand the the moat is shrinking. I feel uh, in terms of their competitive edge, in terms of their um just ability to keep up. I mean, the good thing about it is that if if Intel and this is a big if if Intel does build their two fabrication plants and it does uh, is locked into only the Western culture then that that is a good you know a sustainable type of uh manufacturing supply uh so so to speak i don't know if that's the right uh, term to use but they're gonna have consistent customers that's what i'm trying to say (laughs) they'll have Mm -hmm. consistent customers Mm -hmm. and and that that's a good you know stable revenue uh, especially when technology is increasing so um yeah I, i you know with any type of investment, I always have to have a pessimistic side because I, I don't want to be too overly optimistic. Hence why I'm trying to like counteract myself right now. And so, um, but that's what I'm seeing. It's still interesting to me. I still want to look into it some more. And I, I think that especially with newer technologies, whether it's, you know, AI, agriculture, or um, gaming, etc., I think that you know these these chips are going to be super super important unless a new technology comes out that replaces semiconductors in general, which I don't think so. Um, but these are looking very interesting. So, yeah, yeah. So, any last thoughts, Sean? <laughs> I know um, I'm rambling on today. So, uh, but yeah. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that covers it. It's very interesting. It is interesting, and I I wish I could bring in more numbers, but this is right now just my thoughts. Currently, it's more on the speculative side, not an actual investing knowledge, but it is built on investing research that I've done. So, um, and just really seeing where crypto goes with semiconductors as well. That 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 to me is really interesting right now. So, but anyways. Uh, if you have no more thoughts, Sean, I think that's it. I think I think we're done with the episode today. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So everyone, thank you guys so much for listening up to this point. I know we've we've had an awesome discussion today. We talked a lot about uh, cryptocurrency. We've talked a lot about the changes in Ethereum, as well as the potential of Intel, NVIDIA, AMC, or not AMC, sorry, wrong company, AMD, uh, and TSMC. And so if you guys have any thoughts or comments about this, please let us know in the comment section below uh, or uh, message us through email. That'd be awesome. 
And don't forget to give us a follow and a like if you like what we do. But uh, from here, we're going to do our outro. So don't trade a dollar for a penny because obviously we don't want to lose uh, money whenever we're investing. And always do your own homework. So until next time, Sean, I'll see you in the next episode.